Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangent, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen today. As always, I am joined by Stefan Chin. I'm not actually here today. Oh. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan, what's your tagline? Forged in the fires of cheese door. (laughs) That one worked for me. Nobody else. (laughs) Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. What's your tagline? My back hurts. Ah, Ah, I hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Sari Riley is here fresh off the plane from New York City. Sari, what's your tagline? Massage your grapefruit. And Mm. I'm Hank Green, and my tagline is empty on the inside. They've been sad. Sad. They were sad last week, too. (laughs) I'm I'm not sad. I'm just hungry. Every week here on Tangents, we get together to try to one-up a maze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Sam bucks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but... We aren't great at that. So if the rest of the people on the podcast deem your tangent unworthy, you could be Dr. Sam Book. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's science topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sari. Who looked at a lump of clay and thought, I ought to shape this as a pot? Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> that was, that was, no, stop. <laughs> that was so good. That was such a dope opening. <laughs> or a bowl or painted urn, then into the kiln and let it burn. Mm. Then from clay, we switched to powder like zirconia, which allowed her to craft a knife more sharp but brittle. And I do not want to belittle the power of ceramic idle. 
What? Reese's Wait. Cars. <laughs> for cars, insulate, help us reach the stars, protect our bods, make implantable rods against these odds. <laughs> the materials aren't frauds. <laughs> I did that my was, best. So. What was the idle part? I didn't know how to transition <laughs> to okay. the list of things. So that's not like a word. <laughs> no, IT apostrophe LL is what I was doing. Uh, so like, I do not will. want to yeah. belittle okay. oh. the right. power of ceramic. It will. Oh, gosh. That was a big wave. It's a ride. <laughs> I've, I'm, ex- what is the word? I Exhausted? No. <laughs> the opposite of that. Exhilarated? Uh, yes. I am exhilarated by your poem. Thank you. That's very kind. <sighs> oh, boy. So, now we have to define ceramics. I actually couldn't find a good chemical definition of ceramics. Yeah. Material scientists seem to agree on what it is, but... It seems like one of those things you look at it and it's like, that's a ceramic because you took mm-hmm. a material, a non-metallic solid mm-hmm. that has a bunch of different bonds in it. Some ionic, some covalent, mm-hmm. different materials inside. And then you heat it up really hot and then it turns into materials that have similar properties that like aren't necessarily glass. So it's not an amorphous oh, solid. So glass is not a ceramic? No, you okay. can like glaze ceramic with glass Mm. when you glaze a pot that's a glass layer on top there are like characteristics that are common in lots of ceramics like they're usually brittle but they're really hard and they've got a high melting point Mm -hmm. and some of them have bad thermal and electrical conductivity so then they're good insulators but then also there are some of them that are semiconductors like zinc oxide is considered a ceramic Uh and a conductor. So mm. like that label doesn't even apply to everything. So yeah, I don't know. Wild. It's like a bunch of materials that are shiny and you bake them maybe. Yeah. Ooh, I yeah. kind of <laughs> consider myself, like if I was going to be a material, I feel like I'd be a ceramic Whoa. because like yeah. I, I can deal with a lot of pressure, a lot of heat, but if you punch me, I'm done. You'd be like a coffee mug with something fun on it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fill me up. Do you have a word breakdown? I can't remember the real word for that. Etymology. Yeah. I do. It is from the Greek keramikos, meaning potter's earth or pottery or mm. wine jar or jar or earthen vessel. So yeah. pretty much yeah. right. it all goes yeah, back all to pots. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A revised definition. If you look at something and think, hmm, that could maybe be a pot. That's a ceramic, probably. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but it seems like that that heating process is a key part of the yes. ceramic, and then it like changes. And it's properties. also it doesn't. I don't think it can be made by nature. Uh, yeah, I think that's the inorganic part. Okay. All right. Thank you for the extremely loose definition of <laughs> ceramics. I don't think it's your fault. And now it is time for. <laughs> Where one of our panelists, it's me, has prepared three science facts for your education and enjoyment, but two of those facts are big old lies. The rest of you have to figure out which one of the lies and which one is the true. And if I get, if I fool you, I get a sandbuck. Mm-hmm. If you get it right, you get a sandbuck. You guys know who Tom Brady is? Yes. <laughs> football <Yeah>. man. <laughs> yeah, he is job. a football man. Good. Throws the ball. He throws the ball. He's one of the ones that throws yeah. the ball, which most of them don't usually do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, there's <laughs> <laughs> so only one person on each team whose job Mostly. it is. Who's yeah. generally like throwing the ball, the ball. There's like one on the field, but. Yeah, right. sure. Yeah, you could have backups. backups. Yeah. Ceramic materials can do lots of very cool things and have contributed to society in many impressive ways. And notable football person Tom Brady of the New England Patriots recently got into the ceramics game. Whoa. Oh. 
Which of the following is a real product that has been made with ceramics and has the stamp of approval from Giselle Bunchen's husband? <laughs> Fact number one, because he ran into some trouble with this, a football that you cannot deflate. Oh my goodness. The material used to create the football includes ceramic materials similar to those used in airbag inflators. Water infused with ceramic aluminum oxide, which is a bioceramic studied for use in bone grafts, and the water is marketed as strong water, and it claims to make your bones stronger. Or number three, pajamas that help you sleep better and also help your muscles recover. The fabric is lined with ceramic particles that emit far infrared radiation, and so they warm your muscles with special radiation huh. while you sleep. Okay, sh- Sari's shaking her head, but I like <laughs> this one yeah i I want that that sounds nice (laughs) give me the special radiation so our three options are a non-deflatable football two strong water which has ceramic (laughs) aluminum oxide in it or three sleepy pajamas that that radiate you lesson number one of pr if you had a scandal around deflating footballs you shouldn't make a product that's like calling attention to that So that's totally fake. Lance Armstrong has that Livestrong brand. And so Mm -hmm. Strong Water seems like, okay, I'm trying to like get in and capitalize Uh, on that. It's plausible. The pajamas sound like something that is fake and wouldn't work, but I really want them to work. Uh So I think that's the one I'm going with. They sound fake, but real. Yeah, like so many things in health. Fake, Mm. but real. They're good for your bones? Is that what it was? Uh, Helps you recover. It's okay. Yeah. And okay. It helps you sleep. The recover and sleep and also strong bones feel like important things if For you're a football, football man. Mm-hmm. Yes. Getting knocked around, also getting old. Yeah. So oh. like I would need both those things. Fortify my bones, get a yes. good night's sleep. Yeah. Radiate yourself down. young. Strong water. Such a captivating word though. <laughs> Sounds like a goblin is selling it to you out of a cave. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some strong water? It will help you on your quest. <laughs> water branded as not just water mm-hmm. is very in right now. Yeah. So I'm going to go with strong water. Are people wearing pajamas? Is that a thing that people are still doing? I don't know. I, don't, I do I not wear pajamas. Not. Oh, I'm like basically wearing my pajamas mm. now. Yeah, I wear my pajamas in the day also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that he would put his name on pajamas personally. Ooh. So I'm going to say strong water. Oh, strong water. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Should I switch my answer? You want him to get three go. points? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'll go with water. I'll go with water. We got three. Three on water. We're all bad in. I gave you guys an opportunity. <laughs> bad I gave idea. you a, like a clear one of them isn't true. You had a 50-50 chance and 100% of you got it wrong. Uh, wait, wait, it was the pajamas? It was the pajamas. It was the pajamas. the pajamas. Sam, you swayed you me. I'm sorry. So aluminum oxide is used in bioceramics, which has been studied for bone grafts. But it has not been put in water. It doesn't look like it would be soluble in water, so it would be very dusty. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it would also do nothing, as okay. is the case okay. with, let's be honest, all this shit that they're putting in water now. But if it, if it, if you call it strong water, I would expect a slightly chalky flavor, which yeah. I would expect from bone yes. dust. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, look, you're not drinking this water because it tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> you're drinking it for your bones, boy. <laughs> Strong water is just milk. Non-deflatable football, of course, was made up. They do use ceramics in airbags based on their piezoelectric properties, like mechanical stress 
can turn into an electric charge. So that's what piezoelectric is. When you like push on something, it produces electricity. So why is that good for airbags? They need an electric charge to be generated when they undergo a lot of G-force, I think. Uh It's like a signal that the G-force has been exceeded and the airbag should go off. Oh, it's the triggering mechanism. I think so. Okay. The pajamas are totally real. They're made by Under Armour. And then on the inside, they have this like mesh of printed on bioceramics. So Tom Brady is super into like a ton of stuff that's marginally proven. So there have been rat studies and very small human studies. And one of them is far infrared saunas where you go in and there's like infrared radiation, but it's like further out. And that he thinks makes him more comfy and like heal faster. And then he Mm. also, there's these bioceramics that absorb the infrared radiation that your body produces and re-emits it as far infrared radiation. And like he had these wraps that he would wrap himself with. And then Under Armour was like, hey, we could put that in clothes and you could get paid a lot every time we sell one. And he was like, dope, I will do that. And so you wear them all night and they radiate on you all night long. And then you wake up feeling the same, but like maybe placebo effect or maybe they actually do something. It's not clear. I'm looking on this website and Uh there are like these very short shorts. The short shorts are hilarious. Yeah. It's like just just for if your hips are stiff. Just the butt. Yeah, just the butt. You need to rejuvenate the the old butt. Yeah. Yeah. Your butt's tired from running the football back and forth on the field all day. Uh It's like I if I'm gonna invest in my right. infrared yeah. muscle rejuvenation, yeah. I'm gonna cover up my whole body. Yes. Yeah. Get all those Absolutely. muscles. Absolutely, not yeah. the tiny pants. And the yeah. tiny pants are cheaper, <laughs> but not much cheaper. <laughs> which is wild. Yeah, they're like sixty dollars yeah. instead of a hundred dollars. Yeah, but they're tiny. <laughs> but I guess some people just want tiny pants. Like they like to sleep in tiny pants. Mm. Like me, for example. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe someone just has like a really sore butt from doing like squats only. I don't know. Stefan, yeah, what is a butt people. exercise? Squats. Just, squats is, yeah, squats okay. is a butt one. You can uh-huh. do like a rear leg lift kind of a thing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, yep. get some glute action. Yeah, yeah. So you're only exercising your glutes. So you only need mm-hmm. the butt. <laughs> fabric you're a butt model maybe some people don't want smaller legs but they do want a bigger butt it's true yeah it's true just glue bridges for days too much of us little little legs big butt no that's not how it works butt is part of legs (laughs) (laughs) butt is legs we can what i don't think it's too controversial to say that butt is legs it's a whole different muscle it's a whole different connect okay that's like saying torso is butt stomach is butt is that true? Well, sometimes. Yeah. No, it's not like that at all. Butt is legs because butt moves legs. It helps the legs go. Butt's what moves the legs. Yeah. You need one without well, not one without the other. The legs. Yeah, yeah but shoulder is not arms. Yes, it is. Shoulder is arms. Shoulder no. is arms. Oh yeah, my that, gosh. that no, I do no. agree with. No. No way. <laughs> shoulder is part of the torso. Oh. It affects the I know, arm. But I know it is how not this debate can be settled. It's the first person who stands up and shouts, "Shoulder is arms." <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've learned being a boss: is the, if you stand up, everyone shuts up. Oh. It's just like, well, I guess, I guess Hank really believes this strongly. Uh, I disagree with you now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got three freaking points yeah. out of that somehow uh, when I really expected to get zero. You guys were super well, on the pajama train early. I got very lucky. Seems more plausible than pajamas. Seems easier just to put your name on some water. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And like that's like more of a health thing normally mm-hmm. for like an extreme like a pro athlete. Yeah. So now I guess it's time for a short break and then we will be back for the fact off. 
SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Hello, welcome back. Sam Buck totals. Sarah's got one for her poem. I've got three. Sam and Stefan both got zero. Boy, this feels good. It's been a long time since I felt like I was on top. I am deeply in last place. Yes, correct. But now you have a chance 
to get some point because it's time for the fact off. Two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds. Sari and I have a sandbox to award the fact that we like the most, and it's Sam versus Stefan. And who will go first is going to be determined by who answers this trivia question fastest and correctest. Oh my God. So stressful. Okay. According to Pliny the Younger, Lemnian oh. clay could be used for all manner of medicinal needs. Which did he not specify as something Lemnian clay could cure? One, watering eyes. Two, diarrhea. Three, serpent wounds. Or four, copious menstruation. Well, serpent wounds. Eyes. Did you say serpent wounds? Yeah. Okay. Wait. Because we oh, didn't think this what? all the way through. Because <laughs> we're neither of us are right. <laughs> <laughs> the ones you have left are diarrhea and copious menstruation. She go first. Diarrhea. Copious menstruation. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, it was diarrhea. Lemnian clay doesn't do anything for that, but the rest of them lots. According Wait, to well, so does it actually? Or I don't this think is according so. to what? No, it probably claimed. actually helps diarrhea and none of the others if we're going by Plenty the Younger's usual <laughs> yep. track record. Yep. But you do get to go. Or you get to choose. Yeah. Who goes. Okay, same go. Okay, okay thanks. Same go. Yeah. In late 1969, Apollo 11's landing on the moon had given everyone space fever. Mm, I have, yep, still got it. Yeah, you do still have it. You weren't even around back then. <laughs> One of the people with space fever was a New York sculptor named Frosty Myers. He decided that he wanted to put the first work of art on the moon. Mm. So he collected six sketches from some of the most famous artists at the time, like Andy Warhol, who drew a penis, and Robert <laughs> Rauschenberg, and got to work on trying to figure out how to get them onto Apollo 12, which was launching within the next couple months mm -hmm. so he got in contact with an arts organization called experiments in art and technology or eat that had recently been founded <laughs> by a group of engineers and artists and eat's goal was to hook artists up with scientists to give the artists access to cutting-edge technology but also to inject some humanity and creativity into the technological world that they thought was kind of growing out of control at the time mm. they set myers up with a scientist at bell labs named fred waldhauer who also was one of the co-founders of EAT, and he used what was at the time state-of-the-art machinery that was normally used to make circuits for telephones mm -hmm. to create 16 ceramic tablets, three quarters of an inch by half an inch, etched with the tiny reproductions of these six drawings, and they called the tablet the Moon Museum. So before he talked to EAT, I think Myers had already approached NASA about getting his art on Apollo 12 mm -hmm. officially, and they seemed like they liked the idea, but then they never really like returned turned into his calls after that. Well, did they see the penis? They probably saw the, they <laughs> saw the penis. So I think at first they were like, cool, and then they saw the penis because there's lots of pictures of it at the time yeah. for the newspaper where somebody's thumb is purposefully <laughs> on top of the penis picture. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So they probably just didn't think it was like the best optics. So they wouldn't return any of his calls or anything like that. But Waldhauer, the guy who made the ceramic tiles, had a plan B. Mm -hmm. He knew somebody who was working on the project on Apollo 12. So he shipped them a moon museum and told them to slip it into the lander somewhere, which seems like incredibly dangerous, potentially. Yeah, no, that's one of the main things you don't want is is objects that you like foreign objects. But yeah. this is what I read that during Apollo 12, engineers and stuff would sneak little pieces of paper and trinkets and photos into the mm. foil covering on the outside of the lander. Okay. That's what they say, at least. 
<laughs> that was a rumor, uh-huh. at least, that, that this guy had heard. So he thought there was a chance right. to get it slipped in. Mm. So two days before launch, November 12th, 1969, the artist got a mysterious telegram at his house from Cape Canaveral that said, you're A-OK, all systems are go, signed John F. Who John F. is is a secret that Wald Howard took with him to his grave. Whoa. So nobody knows who he sent it to. John F. How many John It could F's be John F. There. Kennedy. I think, yeah, <laughs> he was not alive was at he that not time, alive? I think, yes. Oh my goodness. No, definitely even, not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, probably not. <laughs> so there's pretty much no way to know if it actually is up on the moon, but potentially right. the first piece of art oh. on the moon is this, this little ceramic tablet. Uh, with a penis on it. Wikipedia says it could be viewed as a rocket ship or a penis. <laughs> and I'm like, could it? Just like turn my computer around, upside down. Two boosters. Yes. Yeah. I love it, though. I love it. And I, and I like that it might be there and it might not be there. I just think once they saw these, they could have gone back for three more artists. Why, why three more? Well, three of them look okay. <laughs> and three of them could use a little work. <laughs> Your mouse isn't good enough. Yeah. Taken off the project. Stefan, what fact do you have for us? About 2,700 years ago, in a kingdom that is located around present-day Jerusalem, it was a time of political instability, but also a very stable bureaucratic tax system, mm. which worked out well for these researchers. And ceramics, I guess the thing that happens is when you are heating up the material, within the materials, there's like little magnetic particles that contain iron. And when you get past a certain temperature, those particles orient themselves based on the direction and strength of the Earth's magnetic field. And then when you cool it down, so once it becomes the pot or whatever, those particles are locked in that orientation. So in this region where this kingdom used to exist, they found a bunch of clay pots and they somehow knew that these were used to send goods to the ruler as like part of the tax system. So they, you know, fill it with wine and send off your wine and then you you paid your taxes. Since these were like government goods, they stamped them with like the royal seal of whoever was ruling at the time. So every time there was a new ruler, there was a new seal. Mm -hmm. Because of that, they can tell when each jar was made based on what seal was right. was on the thing to within about 30 years. Right. And so they've been able to create this timeline of what the Earth's magnetic field was like during this 600-year span based on all these jar handles. But wouldn't you have to know like which way the jar was facing when it cooled down? The particles orient based on the direction and the strength of the magnet magnetic okay. field. They don't know where exactly the jars were made. Uh-huh. So they can't necessarily tell anything based on the direction, but they can tell stuff about the strength of the magnetic field. That's the part that involves ceramics. (laughs) (laughs) From that, they learned that during that first part of, it was like a 6th century timeline Mm -hmm. that was about the 8th century to the 2nd century BCE. Mm -hmm. And during the first part of that, the strength of the magnetic field spikes to about two and a half times what it is today, which one of the articles mentioned that might be the strongest it's ever been. Then after that, it declined by almost 30% over the next 30 years, and then it remained kind of stable for the rest of that period, declining slowly. And that is a much faster and sharper change in magnetic field strength than we knew was possible for Earth's magnetic field. Hmm. And I guess just for comparison, we've been measuring the field directly for the last like almost 200 years since we invented magnetometers. Yeah. And in that time, over 200 years, we've seen it decrease by about 10% in strength. 
So 30% in 30 years is pretty significant. And then they're also hoping that they can go sort of backwards with it, where if they have this like timeline of what the magnetic field is doing, they can like find artifacts that don't have a stamp. And then you can match it to that timeline and like date them that way. Another weird thing that I found in this was that the amount of carbon-14 that is produced depends on the strength of the Earth's magnetic field. And so, and that's the isotope that we use for carbon Mm -hmm. dating. And so when the Earth's magnetic field is weaker, there's more carbon-14 produced, which skews how old we think the thing is. And so by knowing, like having a good sense of how the field strength was changing, you can match, you can like get rid of that skewing and get more accurate dating. So to explain how those two seemingly completely unrelated things are related, carbon-14 is produced when solar winds, like solar radiation, hits carbon in our atmosphere. And so that's like a fairly steady process. But when the magnetic field is less strong, more Mm. solar winds interact with our atmosphere. If the magnetic field is really strong, Mm -hmm. would that have negative effects that anybody would ever notice? No, I don't think so. Does the magnetic field make magnets work? Like on fridges? No. Mm. Okay. A magnetic field. But a different but not one. A littler one, I'd yeah. imagine? Yeah, okay. a little one <laughs> okay. inside the magnet that you're putting on your fridge. Okay. So in the way that there are different electric currents, there are mm-hmm. different electric fields, and there are different magnetic fields that can mm-hmm. be at different scales, depending on like what system uh, you're looking at. Okay. So like the way that your magnet is interacting with your fridge is a much smaller magnetic field than like the one that is affecting the whole Earth. But okay. if you like calculated the very small magnetic field the Earth is probably influencing it a fractional amount because it's like within this larger field. This is the part of physics where my brain goes, but I don't understand <laughs> magnets, don't understand electricity. Yeah. Uh, don't know why they let me graduate college. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, fine. Well, it's okay. That just puts you in the same boat as Insane Clown Posse. Someone made what? this joke because I also said I didn't understand magnets when I was with my friends like a couple days ago. And then the same thing, <laughs> this like joke. three word phrase came up and I still don't understand Insane Clown Posse. And what it, I mean, it's, it's a band. band. They have a song band. called Miracles. Yeah. And they talk about all the things that happen in the world that are miraculous. Yeah. And one of the lines in the song is magnets, how do they work? I mean, wow. they could look, at, look it up, but then it wouldn't be a miracle anymore yeah also like (laughs) ultimately like the forces you know we understand them but also where did any of it come from yes so at the the root icp is right yeah they were speaking to the scale and limit of human understanding yeah that doesn't make it a miracle okay debatable (laughs) but i do love that the insane clowns were like i want to make a song about miracles (laughs) yeah rainbows are in it I understand rainbows, though. Yeah, I don't understand. Oh, I think they might understand them, too. They just like them. Their song was really a list of things that they liked. You can like things without knowing how they work, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Who's getting docked the point for the clowns and the You are. What? You that was great. About it. That's all about magnets. That was fine. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was really magnets are science. And they're not ceramics. <laughs> now we have to decide which person is going to get our our sandbox area. Are you some ready? Ma- Wait, there are magnets called ceramic <laughs> magnets, though. Oh well, I guess maybe they are iron oxide and strontium carbonate. Get with it. Ugh, it looks like the not science couch knows something about <laughs> magnets. Maybe you guys are a little bit more like the insane clown posse than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, it's yep. time for you to pick your person. Do you want to give it to Stefan for the pots that were affected by magnetic fields, and we could tell science things about that, or to Sam? 
for the ceramic art experiment that is probably, but maybe not on the moon that has a penis on it. Three, two, one, Sam. Sam. Whoa, I'm surprised. Yay. I'm surprised too. It's just yeah. goofy. It's just goofy. I like the penis <laughs> on the moon. They're in a wacky mood today, Stefan. Yeah. yeah. It's not your fault. Yours too. was extremely good. That mm. was a better science fact, but I just like... Penises on the moon. Now it's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. This question comes from at Chronic Tanvi. How do different glazes work? And we talked a little bit about mm. glazes earlier. Yeah, and maple. I didn't know, but now I do. You get silica and you paint it on a thing and you heat it up and it turns to glass. So the, the ceramic piece, whatever it is, whether it's a, a piece of equipment or a pot, is generally based on an oxide, nitride, boride, or carbide compound that gets fired at a high temperature. Mm. And then glazes are a layer that you can add on top of that compound to make it less porous and make it like smooth or decorate it. It seems like that that's like the main purpose of glaze is like aesthetic mm-hmm. or if you want to make it waterproof mm-hmm. or make like a, I don't know, thin glassy layer. Imagine what that can do. The possibilities uh, yeah. are endless. <laughs> I'm, I can picture it now. The main ingredients in it are silicon dioxide, which is like the main substance, usually a substance like aluminum oxide, which makes the glaze more viscous just like helps with the bonding inside. And then something called a flux, which is usually an alkali or alkaline earth metal oxide. So like, for example, calcium oxide is a flux that lowers the melting point of the glaze to the firing temperature of the pot because usually Mm. the the glaze and the pot melt at different temperatures or like bake at different Uh temperatures. And so you need to match those up because it's a lot of like heat chemistry. All like the texture and the color of the glaze are related to how you melt it. As you have the main compounds of silica in your glaze, then you can add in different things. And like historically, people used different things as fluxes or as reinforcement in the middle of their glaze. So ash glazes were really important in East Asia. Usually they used wood or straw and burnt them up Mm -hmm. and then mixed in the ash somehow. Or they set up the kiln so that you could put wood or straw inside the kiln. So then when it heats up really, really hot, then the ash just kind of scatters naturally. Tin glazing or lead glaze, which was less good for our health, but uh-huh. you could add in metals to make it shinier. Mm-hmm. There was salt glaze where people would like throw in salt into Ooh. the kiln and just mm. make it all bumpy. I like it because you know how they figured that out was they were like, what if we put salt in? <laughs> it's not like they had like a complicated understanding of how mm-hmm. the chemistry of glazes work. I just like, once upon a time, that's how everything was figured out. We were like, well, just try this, try this. And I, that's, you know. I feel yeah, like I've been it. around a lot of potters in my life, and I feel like they still kind still of how it still do it. Yeah, extent. they're like, ooh, that turned out neat. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who was working with ceramics before we had a really solid grasp of thermodynamics was just experimenting mm-hmm. and doing trial and error and figuring out these like very complicated relationships between like, okay, I add a little bit more of this mineral. Mm-hmm. And then it looks nicer. Uh-huh. You just got to do that a bunch. Yeah. Gotta do it so much. That's how I make my soda syrups. <laughs> Honestly. And someday people will talk about like. you in the same lofty like, tones that we yeah. talk about ancient potters. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to ask the Science Couch your questions, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at FutterDuds, at Dana001, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this episode. Final Sam Buck scores. Sari with one, Sam with two, 
me with three. I didn't even mention Stefan. Moon he, he dick. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's very helpful. And lets us know what you like about the show. Also, we're looking at iTunes reviews for topic ideas. So leave those there. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from the episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people about, about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the wonderful team at WN. NYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In ancient Greece, people used little ceramic discs called pesoi to wipe their butts. Oh, so it seems like, like much like today, you'd have like a bunch of little pieces of paper, like uh-huh. junk mail or whatever, laying around the house. You could wipe your butt with those. In this, <laughs> but back in the day, you just had like a bunch of pieces of broken pottery lying around uh-huh. or something, and so you could just wipe your you butt, smooth them down, and wipe that your stuff. Butt. Apparently, some of these discs might have originated as something called ostraka. Oh, yeah. Which were pieces of pottery that you would use to cast a vote to exile someone from the city for 10 years. I love it. So it was like part of, it was a mechanism (laughs) for the people to like fight back against corrupt politicians. Uh Uh So if those discs then became like toilet paper, you'd basically be wiping your butt with the names of your political enemies. Yeah. Very poor. They still make toilet paper like that to this very day. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah. You could just put like, like toilet paper with like, Trump on it? Trump, Obama, anybody. <laughs> anybody. Depending anybody. on your political anybody leanings. Anybody you want to wipe your butt with. <laughs> yeah. You could just leave a Sharpie in your bathroom. You could customize it every yeah. time. Every you time. You could be mad at different people on different days. Yeah. It's like a grand human tradition. <laughs> <laughs>